Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Good afternoon, everybody. Actually, it'll be morning. Hopefully, when you're listening to this, that's when it's usually released. Amanda here with Sean Hanquist, the Fit CFO. Hey, what's up? And I was cracking up because we started talking and I'm like, hold on, I'm going to press record because this is a conversation that needs to be heard. It's so funny. So Sean got a, a truck. If you went back and listened to some of our episodes back in June, Sean had a Raptor. I totaled it from a hailstorm. Literally and- looked like a machine gun went to this damn thing. Like, it was awful. <laughs> It was horrible. My son and I were actually in the vehicle when it happened. It was awful. Anyway, took like, what, five months was it for you to get compensation for a new vehicle after an entire rat race? Driving around with a total truck, man. It was it was a conversation starter, though. Every time I pulled into a parking lot, like it was like, what the F happened? <laughs> so... So anyway, so now now we got his new truck, which is an amazing what GMC Sierra H4. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know all the big boy truck, big diesel stuff that goes along with it. Anyway, it's time to go to the courthouse, get it licensed. And so he goes there, and I'm like, dude, we gotta record record this podcast. Cannot be late. We gotta get this done. So he's running around trying to get it done, and I'm gonna let you. Yeah, I well, short, I still do not have the truck license. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the courthouse. Oh, you gotta have the title inspected because you bought it out of state. Oh, okay. Go out to the city police department. Oh, you have to have the title. You don't have that. No. So holy crap. There's an hour of my time I'm not gonna get back. And then you still don't have it. Hopefully, no police guys are listening to this because my truck's not going to be licensed and it's going to be past the 30 days. So <laughs> it's just because not going to happen. I've literally been back to back to back in tax planning meetings. I told Sean, I go, you need a personal assistant. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's me. And I don't have time to do it either. <laughs> it, it's just going to be what it'll be. It'll be a week late. Then. We'll get it next week sometime, maybe. <laughs> Oh, well, so yeah, that's me breaking the law, I guess. Breaking the law. Good you. Speaking of tax planning, though, I like that segue into our conversation today. (laughs) The reason, though, I wanted to bring this topic up is because we started talking about this early October. Why did we start talking about this early October? Because in order for you to know what you need to do for tax strategy for your 2022 season, yeah. you've got to have some of these things in place ahead of time. You got to know where your numbers ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I love it, and 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 a lot of this comes up as I get a lot of questions from my clients. Right, like they're gonna hear the see the the reels, the TikToks of the influencers talking about certain strategies, and it's like, okay, yeah, 
it's great to bring awareness, but then in reality, we got to make sure that you can implement it and you have the right, the right corporate structure and the right stuff behind some of those um, recommendations or um, strategies that are out there. So there's just so much more to it than the headline, I guess, is what I don't, maybe you're trying to say um, on that, but well, I, I guess what I, cause you, you don't like really watch social media a whole lot. I write all of our social media program. And so when, so that like, I'm watching it all the time. And, sure. and I also know from the like business side, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And if you are not running a profitable business, it probably doesn't make sense to be like going down these huge, um, you know, spinning marathons on trying to write off things. Absolutely. So I, yes, I love where you're heading with this because the tax planning meeting that you have with your financial professional, you're going to understand the amount of income that you're projected to make, the amount of tax dollars that's going to be due. Then you can factor in the actual rate of tax that you're paying. And, you know, if you're not making a ton of money or if you're able to do a lot of awesome strategies within planning and get your tax rate down, um, I, I think this is what you're saying. Do you really need that G-Wagon? Do you really need that write-off? Um, yeah. Because, you know, it might not be necessary to take that bonus depreciation this year because you might have a hell of a lot bigger tax bill next year and at a lot higher rate. So wait, like, you know, let's let's see where we're at. And if it is at a very marginal or low rate that you're paying on taxes, you don't need to go out and get those deductions because we're going to probably need them next year. And not only that, but I also don't want to see people put themselves in a hard financial position. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at buying a depreciating asset. Is that the best, you know, in your best interest to do so? Sure. So yeah, like when you have a tax problem, if you can save 50 cents on the dollar. Uh, uh, and yeah. get a cool vehicle because of it. Sure. Let's do that. Sure. But if yeah. you're paying eight cents on the dollar, like you're never going to pay taxes lower than that. So why do you need to get it down even further? So you're actually just costing yourself money. And if I also want to preface the population of individuals out there that are watching these influencers that have 300, 500 million followers is huge. Obviously they have a huge following, but the population of individuals that need to actually take advantage of these strategies is very minimal. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I should dive in a little bit deeper, but like you actually go act on that strategy without having and knowing where you're at, you're probably actually costing yourself money. Yeah. Right. Right. So make sure you have a problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, yes, you're in a 50% uh, 50 tax bracket. Let's go ahead and address it and come up with some of these strategies to get that down as much as we can possibly can this year for you. And then next year, guess what? Completely different story. Yeah. As profitable, you might be more profitable. It's going to be a different strategy you're going to have to implement. Because well, the cool thing about this industry is one year could look completely different than the next. I mean, this is such a, an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity space. Um, but we just want to make sure that you guys are enlightened, you're educated, and you're making the best decisions with the dollars that you have. And so with that, I think it'd be really cool. We talk about these five tax strategies for fitness entrepreneurs a lot, but I thought it'd be kind of cool to come at it from a different lens now that we're talking, Sean. So what I want to do is I want to talk about these. We've talked about them before, but I want to talk about them in a sense of when does one need to actually implement this type of strategy? Let's let's like give like, I guess, user-friendly examples of why somebody would want to implement this. And the first one is the business entity selection. Now, we've talked about how 
the LLC, it's not going to provide you tax benefit. The LLC period is to provide you protection. It is separating you, the individual from your business entity in case something were to go south in case you were to get into a financial hardship in your business, it separates you, the person, from your business. That is the only purpose of the LLC. Now, what you can do, however, if you get big enough, if, you're, if your entity is starting to make more money, it may be beneficial for you to have an S-Corp election. And I'm going to let you explain that. Yeah. So the S-Corp election um, is something you can go ahead and attach and elect um, on your LLC. So you don't have to go out there and actually open up a new entity by any means. It's just something you can elect. And you actually, um, to have guaranteed acceptance for the calendar year, you need to do that between January 1st and March 15th. So there's kind of a timing thing. You can apply for it late in the year, um, but that's ideally to do it at the beginning of the year, get that submitted in. And then you actually become an employee of your business. Um, so you hear the entity selection, you hear the S-Corp, you hear all the sexiness of being able to save some money um, on some FICA taxes. Well, you could call it self-employment taxes. Yeah. And, and uh, what, so what that it needs to like, just go a step further. It's like, okay, if you don't have necessarily a profitable business, um, is that entity selection really going to benefit you? Mm -hmm. Do you necessarily want to take on everything it entails to become an employee of your business? Yeah. Now you're factoring in payroll. Now you actually have a corporate uh, 1120S tax return. So you're going to have some additional costs involved, uh, additional filings. Stuff's going to start adding up. So yeah. if it's not going to be benefiting you on um, a tax standpoint, then maybe it's not worth looking at this year. And let's talk about when does it benefit a, a health and fitness entrepreneur to, to have that S-Corp election? And uh, there's not one size fits all, like different states have different things, different, you know, businesses all look different. So I can't really give you a blanket statement of when you hit X, go ahead and go do this because you do need to dive in further. But we could kind of give you a rule of thumb, thumb like when you're, you know, 30 to $50,000 or more in net profits, I would have to say, let's, you know, you better be having the conversation with your financial professional to say, okay, here's my situation. I'm north of, I'm going to be $50,000 in net profits this year. What should I be doing this year or what should we be doing in the future? Then you could go ahead and get that guidance from your financial professional and go through the situation. And, the, and then you can actually, um, you know, we have software, we can have strategies that are like, okay, here's without it, okay. here's with it, and then here's what you have to add for expenses to be able to get that kind of tax savings. Is it still worth it for you? Yeah. And remember when we say net profit, that's everything that falls like, like uh, our partner Sharon said in our previous episode, that's everything that falls through the net, everything that's left over after your expenses and everything are paid. So net profit, meaning after expenses. Yep. And it's, I mean, I know some people, um, eyes are going to, ears going to perk up and eyes are going to open up, but I mean, I've seen $13,000, $14,000 in tax savings this year. Yeah. I mean, it can, be, it can be huge and maybe it's on average 7,500, but like times that by 10 over 10 years, if you save $10,000, you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar tax strategy that maybe it might need to be implemented. Yeah. But if you don't have that profit, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because of, let's talk about the FICA taxes. And I mean, cause that's going to be what around 15% that you want to tack on to that bill too. Yeah, so the the fifteen point three percent on an LLC sole proprietor is on every dollar that you know comes in, and um, 
that can be pretty substantial. And I, I don't know, and I don't want to dig too deep underneath the weeds on this, but it's like the first $147,000 of income is subject to the whole 15.3%. And then after that, then it gets less and less. So you could really get dive in. And, and but, what I'm, but what I'm doing here, I guess, is trying to help people understand that it's not black and white and it is complicated. And that is why it is best left to a professional and not an influencer to make this to help you make this decision. Well, and the, and the, and the influencer probably is it's it's awesome that you're getting your um, um, getting the information to know that those strategies are out there. But you need to work with someone that knows your specific situation. Yep, everything should always prep it preface. Seek a professional for your specific situation, and because of compliance and because of what we do, we actually have to say that after everything that we put out there. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, obviously they're influencers for a reason, but like what they're putting out is sexy and then you don't necessarily see the back end of, okay, if we're going to implement that strategy, here's five or 10 more steps that you have to do every year. Is that still worth it for you to be able to do this? Yep. Yep. And clearly they're trying to put a message out there and like under 30 seconds. So <laughs> they're going to put the most <laughs> valuable content pieces out there, uh, you know, in, yes. in bright, shiny lights too. I guess what you might, uh, what Amanda's saying too, is you still want to just go act on that. Like right. you probably try to implement it yourself, but you don't want to just go act on it. Just, yeah. You don't want to just, just go do that because you could find yourself in a, in a tricky taxable situation. So uh, entity selection is a big one. Like it's kind mm-hmm. of a low-hanging fruit. It's pretty easy to implement. And if it fits your, um, not, I don't want to say structure, but if it fits like where you're at in business. Yeah. If it fits your needs at the time yeah. or where you're just about to be, then it might make sense for you. Yeah. Yep. The next one is the Augusta rule. Now I, I like this one because it's really starting to make headway. You really didn't hear about this much until recently. But this one is actually really cool because it's not something that until recently, a lot of people have really heard of. And essentially, if you own a home, you can basically, your business can rent your home from you and you you reap benefits on both sides of that strategy, essentially. That's that's pretty cool that you can take money, basically dollar for dollar out of your business account, um, put it in your personal account. That money's not taxed. It goes, it reduces the bottom line of your business. And, um, there's, there's a lot to do with this strategy. Like, um, you, if you just hear it, it makes sense. Like you can do it up to 14 days a year. Um, but like, you really need to get underneath, um, the hood a little bit and kind of understand it before you just go implement it. Yeah. Because if you don't necessarily rent or have a business office outside of your home, you probably should not be diving into this strategy. So basically what were, so let's back up because I'm, I'm a huge history buff because I, I love the history of this one in particular, because essentially this rule was created during like the Augusta golf tournament, the Augusta Georgia golf tournament. And what was happening is um, there was a shorting shortage of rental housing for people to come in and stay. And so what ended up happening is, is people started uh, having the ability to rent out their home for up to 14 days to people, individuals coming in for the Augusta golf tournament. And essentially this turned into basically a tax rule that allows people to rent out their home for up to 14 days and essentially receive money for it. Yeah. Uh, without having to file like a business or having a business tax return. So but- then, uh- 
I think the caveats you're trying to get to is you can't just be like, I'm going to rent my home for $10,000, right? Like there has to be like some sort of of methodology to it. So one thing you could do is you could call like a conference venue and you could ask them what their going rate is. So you can kind of get an idea. Okay. You charge approximately $2,000 for seven days. So I'm going to charge my business around $4,000 for that full 14 days. I'm going to host a retreat. I'm going to host a podcast series or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it does essentially have to be ordinary necessary for your business. It can't just be some out of this world, crazy thing that you're trying to, you know, reap the benefits on. Yeah. So if you have a a retreat or you do a mastermind or um, employee dinners or celebrations, that's absolutely perfect for the scenario. And then to take a step further, when you get those um, estimates from those venues, try to do it during a seasonal period of time. So if you live in an area that it's seasonal, that's attractive uh, to be there and and everybody increases their rates, we'll get your quotes then. And then that's what, how you can justify of how much you're going to lease your house to your business for. Yep. Yep. So this one is a, this one is a really cool one. It does have some specifications to it. Um, It does have some timelines to it. So it's just one of those things. Again, you want to be speaking with a professional. Is it the best thing for your situation? Um, you know, just find out those things before, again, you go and implement some, something like that, because you don't want to be like, oh, cool, I can do this. But then you, maybe you didn't make the deposits on time. Maybe you didn't do the action before 1231. And and now you've essentially just. Yeah. We've talked to a lot of clients about this, um, this year, and there's about a five-step process. And then the first time's a little painful, but once you do it one time. Yeah. You You have to do it every year. Well, you have the template and it's mm-hmm. very repeatable. And then, so like now the first time implement, it might take you a half hour. Now it takes you five minutes and I'm just throwing out some numbers, but maybe you could do a thousand dollars a day. That'd be $14,000 that you could shift out of your business. That's not subject to your tax rates. Yep. Um, so super cool. I mean, doesn't move the needle a ton, but if you're in a 30 to 50% type tax rates, like that's a lot of money in tax. Yeah. yeah you could save, save quite a bit of dollars there. So the third one we have is, um, which I know that you always appreciate this one is retirement account contributions. Now this one, um, I enjoy talking about this one because this is where cash comes in. This is where we have a lot of questions about what do I do with the, so you tell us to set up these three accounts. You tell us to set up this operation account for my business where the money comes in and out. You tell me to set up this tax account. So I have my tax dollars set aside. You tell me to set up this profit account. Well, what do I do with that? those profit dollars? Well, here's an example of if you are in a taxable situation and you have your profit account saved up, this is a perfect example of what you can do with those dollars. Yeah. And every year I'm a big fan of when you are in a higher tax bracket, they really seriously look at contributions on a pre-tax basis. Um, and we're in a business, a lot of our clients on the online side, they're in a um, what they call a service-based business. And um, there's certain deductions that the IRS gives us that phase out when you make a certain amount of money. So a lot of our clients are in that threshold right now. So like if we're able to maybe contribute to a retirement account to bring down our net income. So we can get our income down below certain phase outs that the IRS is going to give us. It's a huge tax savings in some scenarios. So not only are you saving on your federal taxes, you're getting this um, basically gift from the IRS phased back in um, by just contributing to a retirement account. So I've seen this year, literally 
upwards of over 50 cents, almost 60 cents on the dollar savings for putting into a retirement account. Yep. I mean, it's phenomenal. Um, now, again, if you don't have a tax problem and you're in the eight, nine, 10% effective tax rate, maybe it's not as attractive. Maybe you want to do more of, because some of the terms you may hear of is an IRA, a Roth IRA. Yeah. So when you are in that lower tax bracket, right now might be the time for you to contribute to a Roth IRA. And if you know anything about a Roth IRA, that's going to be uh, you know dollars that are already taxed on. And so when you're already paying tax dollars at an eight or 9% rate, it's going to make sense to dump money into that. Yes. So that's why we call it. It's, it's, it's dynamic. It needs to be very mm-hmm. like every year is different. And that's why they call it tax planning. Yep. So not every year you're going to dump tons, maybe in your pre-tax, some years you might do in your Roths. Sometimes you're not just put more money in not retirement accounts because why wouldn't you want to pay taxes at eight nine percent versus next year you might be in a 30 or 40 percent type tax rate now correct me if i'm wrong but you can wait until the last minute to contribute to an ira it doesn't have to be on december 31st but that depends and that's where it gets a little muddy Um, Ah. any kind of employee so like if you're a s corp and you're an employee of your business and you're running like a solo 401k that employee portions have to be done by December 31st. So the employee that contributes to an employer funded or an employer sponsored plan needs to be by December 31st. And but on an individual side, however, you have until you file your tax returns. And then on the business side of things, so the employer contributions can be funded up until you file your taxes. But when you're running a lot of these strategies and you're trying to keep your salary low, you're a little limited on how much you can put on the employer side. So the most tax deferral dollars you can possibly get is on the employee contribution side of things. So it's very important if you have um, a high tax rate this year, you want to probably get your employee or your solo 401k set up because 2022 is up to $20,500 that can go on the employee side. Yeah. So that's why it's still important. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to bring that up because I know some people may question, well, my CPA allowed me to contribute until the end of filing last year. So yeah, you can. However, 1231 is still, you really should stick with that being your deadline for tax planning. That really should be the end of your tax season is, is December 31st instead of April 14th or 15th. Well, yeah. whatever. Our clients know how much they're going to be putting their employee plans right now. And then we also, if we're, if we're really healthy on cash, we'll go ahead and do the employer side. But if we need to recoup and get some cash built up, we can do the employer side come tax time. So we already have that planned out. Yep, perfect. Now this next one is a really fun one. And we actually take advantage of this one as well. So this one is hiring your kids. So Sean, I want you to kind of explain this one. When does it make sense for somebody to hire their kids? Why would they want to do this? And um, and then I'll kind of ask questions as we go. So there is all kinds of things we can unpack on this. Um, well, so let's start at the high level. Again, you need to be profitable to, for this to even make sense uh, as a tax standpoint. So that's when you're paying taxes at 30, 40, 50 cents on the dollar. Do you want to start looking at this strategy? Um, we've, we've talked to clients that are paying at a tax effective tax rate of like eight, nine, 10%. Well, it's not as big of an advantage that you would have to go and run out and do this type of strategy. So obviously every year is going to be different and depends on where you're at uh, for a tax liability standpoint. What makes okay. the most sense for somebody and why would they, and would they not want to do this? 
Okay, so high tax um, brackets or high tax rates. And then ultimately, if you're running a, a LLC, like a sole proprietor LLC, non-S corp, mm -hmm. you literally can pay your kids up to $12,950 in 2022 and the kids will pay zero taxes which is phenomenal like zero tax rate and then so that takes that $12,950 off the bottom line of your P&L or your income statement so it makes your taxable income down less than 12,950 for each kid so that's that's kind of the strategy behind that is to pay the kid up to the standardized deduction um which is 12,950 this year and then um from there, if you're an LLC only, you don't even have to do any withholdings, nothing. Now, if you're an S Corp, there is some nuances there. So then you really have to decide, does this make sense? Um, if you're an S Corp, you actually have to do tax withholdings for them. Um, so they'll, like a paycheck, they'll withhold the taxes. Um, and the big thing is that they'll have to pay FICA taxes, that 15.3%. Yeah, so they, you literally have to treat them like an employee that has payroll, that has FICA taxes, the W-2, all of that. Yeah, and they'll get the federal side because of the standardized deduction back, but the FICA, that's going to be what's going to be. You're going to have to pay that at 15.3%. So mm -hmm. um, there, there is some workarounds with that. Um, just real quick, you could open up a separate LLC and bill your S-Corp and have your LLC pay your kids. So we can definitely work around this strategy. It just depends on how deep you want to dive. And then, uh, so with that too, is um, the, the job and description that your kids are doing they need to be paid reasonable as well. So if the kid's taking out the trash, it's going to be hard to justify almost a $13,000 annual salary. Right. Or like they're doing the dishes, folding the laundry, that kind of stuff. Like uh, you know, household chores. If they're five but, years old, they're probably not the CFO of the company or the fractional CFO. So just make it reasonable. I think you could get a long enough job description to probably take advantage of the full deduction, but just be thoughtful of that, that you need to have a written out job description for them if you would ever get audited. Yep. Yep. I mean, when I had my nutrition coaching business, my son came with me to the grocery store, helped me, you know, basically was my videographer for several things, helped me do my cooking videos a lot of the time. So um, very handy. I mean, now granted, that's not a skill set that every 13, 14 year old has, but, you know, he's pretty savvy with, with the camera. So that, that that's actually awesome example right there um and that could add up to be a lot of hours and good income for them um and take advantage of the zero percent tax one step further how amazing of that how amazing would that be to teach kids about money at an early age mm -hmm. absolutely we're talking thousands of dollars into their bank account that they get to manage and spend you the kids cost a lot of money anyways right like they have summer leagues. They have. Can you imagine though? Like if you literally had like your kids set, create like bank, different bank accounts, <laughs> like a fun money account, you know, a savings account, your uh, account for all of your sports activities. Like that'd be cool too. Or maybe balance a checkbook. I don't know. Teach yeah. about some money. Right. Because Honestly, that would be such an awesome skill set to teach them how to budget. Maybe they get a spend half and maybe they get to save half. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it goes towards their bills that, you know, that they bring to the family. Like yep. maybe it's part of it goes to groceries. So um, kids tuition, like some, some of our clients, their kids go to private school. Um, yeah. So I think the bigger benefit um, 
is actually teaching your kids about money more so yeah. than the taxes even. And the taxes is just an added bonus, that's great. But teaching your kids about money in the next generation, I think is the biggest game changer with this strategy. And really the biggest thing to keep in mind with any of these is anything with the IRS, any expense needs to be necessary and ordinary for your business, right? And so you're not gonna have your 13, 14 year old coming in, making $25 an hour doing grunt work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. You're going to be paying them a reasonable wage for the work that they're doing. Yeah. And it, it just to kind of go down a little, little uh, rabbit hole here is like, you don't want to just spend money to spend money in business. Yep. We want tax. We want taxes to be like a passenger on the bus. We won't, we don't want them to drive the bus mm -hmm. uh, because you can make some wrong decisions. Um, get short on liquidity and things could, you know, come to a, a, a cycle in business and it could be very harmful for your business if you just spend not to pay any taxes. Again, this is another, well, because if you aren't paying taxes, I mean, the thing is, is if you're, you're going to pay some taxes, if you have a profitable business whatsoever, you're going to pay some, we just want to minimize how much you're paying so that you're not taking, you know, being taken advantage of by the IRS. You're not leaving them a tip. Now, now, this reminds me of uh, another influencer that had a real, and again, it's, I'm not trying to, to dig on the influencers out there. It's great that they're bringing awareness. There's just not enough disclaiming information out there, but it doesn't always make sense for you to hire your kids in business. Mm -hmm. If again, if you are a business that is not extremely profitable and you are in an eight or a nine percent tax bracket and you are filing as an S corp, you are again, paying that 15.3% in FICA. Right. And so it doesn't, it's not always going to make sense for you to do these things. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and we just want to bring awareness that these things are out there and we'll be happy to walk you through them, but they're not for everybody. Yep. And the big one, Sean, can I go buy a G-Wagon? Can I go buy a Porsche Cayenne? Can I go buy a, uh, what else? What else? Um, Excellent. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the bonus depreciation. This is the one that's like everywhere. Yeah. And it's a hell of a tool. It's an absolutely amazing freaking tool. Um. And it's changing uh, at the end of this year, and it's going to be a little bit less next year. And who knows what will actually happen with this IRS um, rule anyways in the long run. But in the interim, it has some amazing tax benefits. And let's, just, let's talk a little bit about, I'm always so curious. Again, I love history. This was created in 2017 or started in 2017. So, but what was it created for? What was the purpose? Well, you it was know, the Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. So basically, spurring and and helping out the economy. So obviously, we're going to go purchase new vehicles if we're going to get a hell of a tax break, right? So it was economy injection. Yeah, you know, it's we're going to pay less taxes. We'll we'll have more cash flow in business to spend more money. Which the government is always utilizing tools like this. It's just like the um, Student Loan Forgiveness Act. It's just like the stimulus packages. Anytime there's a dip, they're going to try to stimulate the economy, get us to go buy things. This was another tool. Again, it's probably going to be phased out over time. 
Yeah, and um, so take advantage of it if it's you and, and you need some tax savings. You had one hell of a year and you have tons of cash built up and you need a new vehicle. Um, now there's some variance of what you can and cannot write off in that vehicle for its usages and poundage and weight of the vehicle. But like in, in reality, if you have a business vehicle that you need and it's a hundred percent for business and you have tons of cash on the sidelines, like you literally could get a hundred percent of that vehicle as depreciation this year within your business. So if, so in reality, if you had $500,000 in net profits, you went out and bought a hundred thousand dollar business vehicle, you could get your net income down to 400,000. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It is, it's literally that simple. However, if you had maybe $50,000 in profits and yeah. you are, I don't know, at a 15% tax bracket, it might not be the best thing for you. It might not make the most sense for you to go buy an $80,000 vehicle. If you mm -hmm. only had $50,000 in profits, you're going to be negative 30% on a depreciating asset. And it might be one of those things that oh, $30,000, I said percent. <laughs> it might be one of those things too. We go out and buy it, but we just don't take advantage of the bonus depreciation because we're going to need some of the depreciation next year. Um, yeah. So if you're on an effective low tax rate, why, why drive that down even further? So this bonus depreciation is not for everybody. It's for those that have a tax problem. Yeah. And essentially what it's allowing you to do is it's allowing you to accelerate the depreciation because you can, you can uh, depreciate a vehicle in any, um, under any circumstance, really in business. It's just what this is allowing you to do is to accelerate or speed up the usage of that depreciation. Cause typically you're going to depreciate something of that caliber over four or five years. Yep. You're not going to do it all at once. This allows you, if you have, let's say that you had a business acquisition or you had something big happen in one calendar year, you can utilize a tool of this sort to take a big chunk of that off. Yeah. So that's, again, I, you know, I said this a couple of times, so that's why it's called tax planning. Yeah. <laughs> you may not have that situation every year. Yeah. And um, so we just wanted to bring you, you know, some of the lowest hanging fruit, um, some of the common ones you see and hear of to provide some clarity around them. And um, we hope that you guys are getting all the tax planning, tax information advice that you need and um, are having a successful year. Yeah. And if you guys want to hear more about these, we actually created a, a course at Fit CFO called the Fit Pro Financial Blueprint. I'm going to link that in our show notes. You can get there by fitcfo.com. But I really encourage you guys, if you're not ready for one-on-one -on -one working with Fit CFO yet, really encourage you guys to take advantage of that blueprint course. It's going to literally give you the tools and everything that you need to know to be able to do all this finance stuff on your own. And if you have questions, you get a strategy call at the end. Um, also feel free to hop into our Facebook group. I'm going to link the notes to that as well, but we are here to, you know, enlighten you guys about everything we can. We want your businesses to thrive. We have the same mission and purpose that you guys do. We want this world to be a healthier place and we are doing that by helping you guys out. All right. I love it. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.